Hey guys, welcome back to another fun-filled edition of Soap Lore. I'm your host, Jet, and this is a safe gathering place for all of you newbies and novices who are just down discovering the Sophia Sedzia's primetime storylines from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. This is also a welcoming spot for all of you OG diehard fans. We're having a blast reliving for some of you and living for the first time these soap operas that technically racist were in the background as you were growing up. I'm your host, Jet, and today we are jumping right back into Dynasty. I have decided, I am determined, we are going to plow through this if it's the last thing I do. I have got to get us to at least episode 13, 14, so that we're all kind of on the same accord. I'm going back through some of the older episodes and enjoying them myself, if I do say so. And I think we're on episode 12 or 13 of Dallas. We are on episode almost 16 of Falcon Crest. And we're only on episode seven, which we're going to drop today for Dynasty. This episode is called The Miscarriage. It's not much of a mystery what's going on, but there are some other murmurings in the background that make this one a little more interesting than Viva Las Vegas, which had absolutely hardly anything to do with Vegas. So I am here with my bubbly sudsy beverage. I enjoy sparkling water, which doesn't seem like a great idea when you're recording a podcast, but it works out for whatever reason through the magic of editing for the most part. Do you drink something cold, drink something grown up. You are after all your own person, do what you want to do. Right now, we're going to jump back into miscarriage. Episode seven of season two of the original dynasty. So there were a few things that happened last episode that I didn't include just in case you wanted to go back and watch them for yourself. They are available if you have Amazon Prime. They're available on their freebie app. Didn't realize that until after I bought Dynasty, but it's definitely on there. And so Viva Las Vegas. Quick recap, Blake jumped into bed with this shady gangster for a $9 million check that he wanted to rub in Cecil's face. Crystal fell off a horse because Alexis shot her shotgun in the sky, scared the horse, basically causing this episode seven miscarriage. What I didn't mention was that Fallon had, uh, let's see, when she came back from Vegas, all the hoopla around Crystal was happening. Basically, Dr. Nick was there because he's always there. He was checking in on Crystal and Crystal's lying in bed trying to be cool. Like she is, as far as they know, she just fell off the horse. She's a little bit, she's shaky. Until she literally starts shaking. Her body is betraying her face. She's trying to keep a cool, level head about her. And Nick is encouraging her, hey, just let it out. If you need to cry, you need to do. That's the thing about him. He's He hasn't done anything shady yet. He's been nothing but like a good doctor. So he encourages her to cry, yell, do what she needs to do. And upon leaving her bedroom, Fallon comes out of her bedroom and she's just gotten out of the shower. So she sees Dr. Nick, decides she likes what she sees, proceeds to beat this man home. Mind you, he leaves their house. She manages to blow dry her hair, dry off, lotion up, put on perfume, put on this freakum dress, this red stringy number, and break into his home all before he gets there. Now, I was expecting him to toss her out. He seems like like a grown man, like a man's man. This is a little girl playing a little girl's game. But to my surprise, he takes the bait. He totally beds down Fallon. So that happened, right? (laughs) Now, Blake, Blake was on his petty. And we talked briefly about having all the facts before your petty, making sure you have a clear escape, you know, these sorts of things. So Blake does, you know, he's, he was probably practicing on the airplane the whole ride there, practicing telling off Cecil. 
He gets to Cecil's office and he lets Cecil talk for a little bit. Like, oh, are you groveling at my... This is me taking creative liberties. Oh, hey, Blake. Okay, yeah, yeah. You need a little longer on your loan. We're old pals. I'll give you a loan. I'll give you a little more time to pay it off. Blake, not only are you not my friend, I never could stand you. I think you're a snake in the mud. You've been intimidated by me because I came into town as a young thug. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if this is your first time listening to Soap Lore, welcome. I'm glad you decided to join us. Please understand that I do not make up anything, but what I do is extract the essence of a scene versus giving you the verbatim dialogue. Let's get back to it. You've been intimidated by me my whole life. You can't stand me. You thought I was going to grovel at your feet. Basically, he tells them to go jump off a cliff in not so many words. And he slams a check down on Cecil's desk. And then he turns on his heels. He gives one last little quip. I don't remember what he says, but basically, mm, he punks his chest out at him like, mm, say something. Only, <laughs> only to have Cecil's secretary interrupt this moment over the intercom. It's like, uh, Cecil, Mr. Colby, there's an urgent call for Blake on line one. Now, he didn't talk to all that trash, y'all. He said everything he wanted to say. He basically drugged Cecil for filth. And then he had to turn around and be like, uh, hey, bro, can I borrow your phone? It was just to ruin the pettiness. It, it sucked all the air out of the room. And it's like, oh, but you, oh, I thought I wasn't nothing. I thought I was jealous of you. I don't know if Cecil did that or nothing, but in my head, I would like to think he did just a bit. That phone call turns out to be about Crystal, who's fallen off the horse, and he rushes home just in enough time to see her in bed. She's, she seems fine, only she suddenly starts having stomach pains. Before you know it, she's in the back of an ambulance. That's how the episode ends. And that's exactly where episode seven picks up. Not for nothing, the title gave everything away. Crystal has indeed had a miscarriage, but while she's in the hospital, while she's in surgery, some emergency surgery, Jeff shows up. I also forgot to mention that Jeff quit Colby Enterprises last episode. It was just all he can take. I think there's too much going on between he and Fallon. He's resenting his marriage now because he knows his uncle set that up. He's resenting his uncle because he feels like he's not putting Jeff's best interests at heart. So Jeff decides that it's now or never if he's ever going to be his own man, even though he's living in his father-in-law's home. It starts today. It starts with him saying, you know what? I quit. I don't like the way you do business. I don't really, I don't want to be a reflection of you. And so he leaves and he goes to the hospital. I guess he got home and they told him what happened. So he shows up at the hospital and Blake immediately appreciates this saying, you know, you've done, you're better to me than my own kids are. I'm glad you quit. I hope you'll come and work for me. Now here's a gotcha, gotcha. Yes, Jeff wants to be his own person. And I had to question and ask myself, does him working for his father-in-law make him any less his own man? I thought about this for a little bit and I don't think it does. I think as long as you make the decision for yourself, you are being your own man with the understanding that your loyalties lie with yourself first. And if he ever decides he needs to leave, he can do so. Take that to the banquet. Think for yourself. Working for your family doesn't mean you're not your own man. And quitting a job where you work with your family doesn't mean you have betrayed them. It's not the same thing. Anyway, Blake is really appreciative and he has, oh, he has this thing. Guys, I love it. I don't see this anymore on TV, but do y'all remember, those of you who are old enough, back in the day, like if you're watching Fresh Prince, 
Saved by the Bell, pretty much any show. They would, if there was going to be a flashback, they did that like woo woo thing with the camera and the the xylophones that do do music and it goes backwards and it's like kind of fuzzy. Blake has a really lame, really really lame daydream about Crystal and he's just kind of going back over him being in love with her, she loving him, kissing, and them saying that they want children. And right about the time, I was so grateful for the doctor because this this daydream was mad lame. Right about the time in his fantasy where he's getting to the part where they lose the baby, the doctor shows up. Now, the doctor has the most peculiar look on his face. He's got that, like, whoops. I. He has the same look you have on your face. Like, if, if you say you're in a store and someone comes in and it's like the wrong store, they're like, hey, can I order a Big Mac? They're in Burger King. And just kind of that look you would give them, like, um... No, it's not the right store. He has that look on his face the entire time. And it was really distracting to me. But long story short, he tells Blake that not only has Crystal lost the baby, but she has an unusual shaped uterus that they didn't know about until they got into surgery. And that it's best that they never, ever, ever again, try for children. Now, Blake is mildly disappointed. I mean, he's obviously disappointed. He's not really showing it. Not too much. And he tries to bark at and blame the doctor, but (laughs) he tells the doctor it's his fault. And the doctor continues with that. You want a Big Mac and Burger King? Look on his face. The rest of their story for this episode, basically with Crystal, Crystal's on the mend and Crystal is in and out of consciousness. Nobody is to tell Crystal. She already knows she lost a baby, like she dreams about it or something, but they don't want her to know that she can't have kids. So anytime she asks about, or she says something like, oh, well, we'll try again, Blake. I promise I'll be better. I won't ride horses and act a teetotal fool. I I won't be petty with Alexis. I'll just chill in bed and have this baby. They just kind of change the subject. Let's get to Miss Fallon. Because this episode, I think, is in large part about Fallon. Okay, just obnoxious is the only word I can come up with. So she had on her red freakum dress. She goes over to Nick. He takes the bait, I guess, because he's a man or whatever. But the next morning, she's lingering around a little longer than he'd like. He's up. Like I said, he's a grown man. He has things to do. He has clients to see. He has, he basically runs the mansion. So he's probably on his way over there at some point during the day. She's looking around and she looks at this photo of him and Gianni. Now, Gianni is very blonde and she makes a comment about him looking more Scandinavian than Italian. I think this is going to be a storyline. You OGs already know if it is or isn't, but why bring that up if not? Why bring up the fact that he looks so different, you know? I could be looking too deeply into it, but I doubt it. Fallon. She, she's very, you know, she's spilling everything. Oh, you're so mysterious and I like you so much better in bed and la la la. And he's he's got that Dr. Nick thing. He's not showing a lot of warmth to her. She doesn't seem to get the hint that it's time to get up, put on the freakum dress and get on out. But eventually she does. And she asks him what he thinks about her father. And he thinks, you know, it's kind of a weird question considering he's going to sabotage him at some point, I hope. But he just says, I don't think anything of him. He's a client. He's a client. Much like my other clients, because I, I need to get to work, baby girl. But she's very, very clingy. And mind you, she this is probably the second time she's ever even met Nick. Super clingy, but she ends up finally putting on her clothes and heading home. She pulls up to the mansion in her Gotham City villain car and Alexis is there. Now, Alexis has been <laughs> has been working the phones all morning. She's trying to figure out what Crystal's state of 
life is at this point. I don't know if she wants to see if she's dead or if she is probably hoping she's dead so she can reclaim her spot on the throne. But nobody, of course, they won't talk to her because she's not really family. So when Fallon comes home, she immediately, this is the scene where I would like to call, it's called Game Recognizes Game, where she gets it from her mama. Alexa sees her in that freaking dress and immediately she's like, oh, here we go. So she asks her, you know, where have you been? Fallon lies and says that she couldn't sleep last night, so she took this really long ride. Alexis convinces her to come on over to to her cottage, her studio, whatever, for a cup of coffee. They can have a little little chit-chat, a little girl's chat. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Soap Law Theater. The part of both Alexis and Fallon will be played by me. So let's set the scene. They're sitting on the couch in Alexis's cottage. Now, Alexis is looking over Fallon slowly, looking her up and down. And Fallon is trying her best to choke down this terrible coffee her mom made. Alexis. All right, now, where have you really been? Where have you been all night? Fallon. I told you, I went, I took a drive. I just need to get out. I needed to do something new. Mm-hmm. This is Alexis. Mm-hmm. Whose bed you been in? Psh, Fallon. Don't do me, mom. Don't worry about that. If I said I was driving, I was driving. What's it to you? I'm a full grown woman. Alexis is getting that a lot lately. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. Fallon, you really need to mind your own business. And I haven't seen you in 16 years. I barely know you. Why are you all in my biznai? Alexis, listen, little girl. Game recognizes game. You are, after all, my daughter. And listen, I know what you're doing. I've heard of your reputation. Your reputation is almost as bad as mine. I've had a few hot girl summer, spring, fall, and winter, summer, spring, fall, and winter. I can't even keep track at this point, girl. I've been there, done that. But listen to your mother. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying, you need to play it cool. You need to be a little more discreet if you're going to do this because you're going to mess around and mess up this good thing you have. But Jeff, do you want to mess up your marriage? Fallon. Oh, okay. So, so what you're saying is you regret cheating on my dad because you definitely did the same exact thing 50, 11 times. So why does it count now? You, are you, do you regret it? Alexis, I am two steps away from the welfare line. Don't you see me breaking my neck to keep what I need? Are you kidding me? Do you want to be on an allowance like me? Do you want to be a woman over 40 with an allowance? And I have to, I am sleeping in my ex-husband's studio. I don't want that life. Do you want this? Insane. Basically, that's what she's saying. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you do because you're going to blow your bag. Who cares if you don't want Jeff? Keep it cool. Keep it discreet so that you can keep that ring on your finger. Now, this is strange advice to me because Fallon already has her dad. She's already wealthy. And if, quote unquote, if Cecil is Fallon's father, which he's clearly not, I think she would probably not be okay with her marrying her cousin. What difference does it make? Fallon is set either way. I don't know Alexis's plan just yet, but it was an interesting enough conversation. So Fallon decides she's going to go upstairs to her bedroom. She and Jeff's bedroom. She's going to wash the smell of Dr. Nick off of her and climb into bed because she has been up all night, if you know what I'm saying. Jeff walks in and he just looks at her. He sees the freaking dress at the end of the bed and he already knows. And he's like, wow, wow, this is what you do now. Okay. He basically calls her a hoe in not so many words. He's like, okay, I guess you're not an amateur anymore. You're a professional now. I got it. Storms off and leaves. That has to be incredibly frustrating, 
again, it's just like being petty. You have to, he has to kind of wane his anger because it's technically her house and her father's house. He just bounces, right? Okay. So let's get on to Stephen. Stephen is king of wanderlust. This is really a person who doesn't know what they want. I have decided that he is just, he gets bored really easily. He's not interested in things that come easy to him. And if it's not a challenge, he doesn't really go for it. So Sammy Joe has invited him to, I think last episode, she invited him to a kickback or maybe it's the beginning of this episode. Basically at this party, it's all of Sammy Joe's racing friends. Now, how she found racing friends this quick, I'm sure I don't know. I'm going to assume that she and her father traveled all over the continental US to race cars and she has friends in every city. So she's at the kickback and the friends, the boys, of course, are ribbing Steven, calling him turkey or some something, some 70s slang. You turkey, you're too scared to drive. We've never seen you drive. And he was just like, I mean, I drive a pickup. And Sammy Joe is beaming at him, making him feel good. So he accepts one of the challenges from the guys. They go on this race. Steven almost spins out. It's not great for him. He doesn't do really good, but he does pretty good considering it's his first time behind the wheel of a race car. He almost spins out of control. He jumps out of the car. Sammy Joe click clock. She was Sammy the Stallion. She had on those wooden shoes, the grease shoes. I don't know. I think it's candies. She has on that brand and she kind of click clock, click clock, click clocks over to him. He jumps out of the car and he's like, oh my gosh, this is invigorating. I love everything about this. I love racing. I want to be a race car driver now. I forget my dad. I'm going to do this, that, and the third. And I love you. Love you? Steven, this is literally the third time he's ever seen this girl. So now he loves her. He kisses her and they sneak away to the cabin in the woods. Once they get there, it's pretty obvious that it's about to go down, only Steven stops right before it goes down. And he tells her, you know, Sammy, I'm so sorry. And I know I just told you I loved you, but I'm not in love with you. Who's on his mind, you might ask? None other than Claudia the Stallion. Now, Claudia is back at the mansion and she's just swimming laps, minding her own business. She is bothering no one. She is speaking to no one. She is simply living her best life. Up walks you-know-who. Dr. Toscani. So I was right. He clearly left his house. He could have just rode with Fallon. He comes over to the pool and he's asking Claudia, why didn't you show up to our session? And the long and short of it is she has been shrank to death. She's been talking to shrinks for the past few years, which I kind of forgot about. If she was in the loony bin for a little bit, she obviously would have to talk to a doctor on the daily. She's basically sick of that part of her life. She's ready to move on. I'd rather swim than sit and talk to you, which I don't blame her. So Nick seems to be a little more, he reveals a little more to himself of himself to Claudia than he does anyone else. Then he asks, are you still considering working for Blake Carrington? She's like, absolutely. I need to, I need I need to work. I got to live. Girls got to eat. And he asked her a few more questions, but she's not having it. She's not really trying to hear that. She heads upstairs and Stephen comes knocking on her door a few minutes later, pouring out his heart. Basically, he tells her that he was just with Sammy Joe, who he doesn't want to take advantage of. And he loves Sammy Joe after a day and a half, but he's in love with Claudia. Now, Claudia is just exhausted. She's feeling like the outsider in this house. You know, everybody still looks at her like she's so fragile. And this is just one more roadblock she's not in the mood for. So she tells Stephen 
that she's still in love with Matthew. Now, I doubt that because she did tell the doctor at some point that she hated Matthew, but maybe she just wanted to get rid of Stephen in that moment. She feels she doesn't feel worthy. That's what it comes down to. She tells them, get someone younger, someone more interesting. I've got a lot of baggage and I have to focus on getting Lindsay back. So it's not going to work. He leaves a room all heartbroken or whatever, but I get the feeling it's short-lived. There was also this really brief conversation earlier in the day that was funny. Claudia was chilling, looking like she was going to the Bears game or whatever. She's in like a tracksuit, minding her own business when Alexis comes over and she's like, hey girl, hey, I heard a bunch of cars last night. Is everything okay? And Claudia, you know, in that very calm way that she speaks, she tells, oh, yeah, 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 Crystal. Yeah, she she ended up losing the baby. So she's in the hospital. And Alexis pretends she didn't show a lot of emotion. She's just like, oh, that's terrible. Wow. Well, it's tough being an outsider here. I bet you know about that. You know about losing kids, don't you? Which is the irony. It's like you do, too. She lost her kids the exact same way you did. The husband kept them. And I guess Claudia thought that same thing. And she says as much like, yeah, I mean, you know how you, you, if anybody, you know what it is, you know how it feels. Alexis tries to, to basically dig a little bit more information out from Claudia. Claudia didn't have much to say. And Alexis is like, I really want to thank you for being so kind to Steven. Oh, that's what she says. She says, Oh my gosh, that must have been so embarrassing, Claudia, to have to give the dirty details of your love life in front of your husband. Oh my, oh, I cannot. Again, Alexis was caught red-handed with her dude. So it's like, what are you really getting at? I think she's just trying to get it. She wants to see if Claudia is a threat, which Claudia is not. She's, she's totally unbothered. She moves on, minds her business. So this last little part is super interesting because the next episode is hilarious. Alexis is getting no love this episode. She's up in Crystal and Blake's bedroom, removing this baby gift that she got her, even though she bought the baby gift right after she shot the bullet in the air, scaring Crystal off the horse. She already knew what was probably going to happen, but it's just an excuse for her to get into that bedroom. And Joseph promptly comes in and he doesn't kick her out, but he all but kicks her out. Like you're not Mrs. Carrington anymore. You're not anything. So get out, bounce, get She leaves, but on her way back to her cottage, she overhears a conversation between lawyer Andrew and Blake. Now, I don't know about you, but I had all but forgotten about Blake's oil being trapped in the Middle East. They pushed that a lot the first season with him, you know, killing Ted Denard and all the other things that have happened. I totally forgot that was even part of the story. So Andrew is Andrew's telling him that there is but one person in the Middle East who can help him get his oil back, but this dude is impossible to find. Now, the dude's name is Rashid Ahmed, and that's important to remember. Now, Rashid is some sort of a shah of some sort, if he's some sort of royalty, but whoever he is, he's hard to find, and Blake gets it in his mind that, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to dig him down. Andrew, do what you can, figure out where this guy is so that I can get my oil back. But guess what? This is finally the break that Alexis has been waiting for. She kind of smirks and smiles, and you can tell that there's a plan formulating in her mind. Now, now that Fallon is back at the house, she knows that Crystal had the miscarriage, so she goes to the hospital to see her. She's going to try to be a good daughter-in-law. They are spending a lot of time in the hospital now that I think about it. Yeah, this is like the 
first, I guess second or third, because Stephen was in the hospital. Anyway, Fallon heads to the hospital. And when she gets there, surprise, surprise, who but Dr. Nick comes walking out of Crystal's bedroom. Hospital room, not bedroom. Now, Fallon is on her little girl. She's very upset by this. And she she decides she's going to confront him because, you know, she's known him for 18 hours. And who does this man think he is? He thinks he's some sort of doctor. How dare you be in a hospital? So she goes up to him and she's like, hey, what's up with that? Why are you here? And he's like, oh, my God, girl, please don't interrupt me. I have a job. I have a J-O-B that I need to perform and you are doing nothing for me. What? What? She gets jealous. She's like, oh, okay. So is, is Crystal part of your job? And he's like, as a matter of fact, she is. Any other questions? Do you want her? Is is she important to you? And he just kind of, you know, blows her off and walks away. But Fallon now has it in her mind that Crystal is trying to scheme and scam and get her brand new man. That's it for this episode. Me soon, like tomorrow. For the next episode, where we get to see what happens with this Rashida Med character, we get to see what Alexis does and doesn't know. And remember to stay hydrated and keep all of your drama on TV. Hello, everyone.